Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So it's the 21st of April, 2021. And I feel like it's still 2020. Um, today's Wednesday. Uh, I'm kind of nervous for today personally, because, you know, I have from, from an injury from years ago, obviously a lot of bone joint damage, getting it fixed, um, just to kind of help a little bit, but, um, I'm actually getting braces on today to help with my TMJ. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be a brace face. So that's going to be so cool. All right. No, it's not. So I'm not looking forward to it. Yesterday, I, um, uh, someone had sent me for my birthday, a, um, a gift card to like a steakhouse. So I actually used it and I had a steak. So I'm putting on regular braces. Let's just be legit. I could have done the Invisalign, but one, they were too expensive. And two, it's like every time you drink and eat, you have to take them out. They'd always be out. I drink coffee all day. So that wasn't going to work. So I'm going <laughs> to, maybe I'll be talking funny tomorrow, uh, but they're going on tonight. So I'm just like, ah, and I'm not going to get invisible ones. I'm going to own my brace face. I'm going to be like, yeah, that's what's up. Maybe they'll make me look younger too. Cause I have braces. So, um, so I'm a little bit, uh, nervous for tonight. So, um, you know, like when I took Phoebe, cause she had to, you know, she had to like take them off and then put them back on. She's been, she's been wearing braces for like forever. Uh, the orthodontist, the dentist slash orthodontist, whatever was like, you know, um, you should, you should really look into that. Cause that's why you're having this and that and that. And I'm like, you know, why not? Whatever. Let's do it. So, and it's pretty good because I didn't have to get like a loan for it. I had to like, I pay every month and it's in-house. So that's pretty good, right? Um, and it's not going to be so expensive. I thought it was, you know, I really do think that they like change the prices. It's like those plasma TVs. Do you guys remember when, um, when, um, when back in 2008, you bought the plasma TV, it was like $3,000 for a 40 inch. And now you go into Best Buy and you buy a TV for like a hundred bucks. And you're like, stop. I paid like eight grand, you know, 10 years ago for it. Well, I remember paying six and a half thousand dollars for my eldest daughter's braces. Right. And that was with insurance. Okay. And it's like, so now they're like, yeah, you're going to be about, you know, two, $3,000 max. And I'm like, what? So, yeah. So braces fix TMJ. Um, it's just like, you know, I got knocked pretty well. And that's a story for another time. So um, whatever. But um, all right. So how do we start hump day that, seems like it's more of a shaft day as opposed to a hump day. Um, we got witness intimidation, complete miscarriage of justice. You know, it's just such, you know, it, the script, whoever wrote it was genius because they get to hijack everybody's shadows. But then when someone comes along that knows how to hijack the shadows that you've hijacked, you're screwed. 
my whole vision, and it kind of goes off of what Bergie did in the war, is how do you unite a group of people that are on the same side, but are constantly being separated with weird, 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 and bizarre things that people are just subscribing to. And so I thought to myself over three years ago, there's got to be a way that I can find something the left and the right, those that are, you know, in that political realm of, you know, promoting civil unrest, the climate change crazies, and we're not talking climate change is fake. We're just saying it's not exactly what they say. So every single person that falls into these pockets, and there's multiple manipulation pockets, tons of demographics. Like on the right, we have more than they do on the left. The people on the right are more controlled than anyone else. It's like you're in high school. This is the cool group I follow. This is the not so cool group I follow. This is the stoner group. This is like, you know, you guys need to just take a step back sometimes and say, all right, I'm not following anyone. Um, I, you know, I am the leader because that is exactly what you are. Seeing what you guys have done with Telegram makes me so incredibly proud. I actually came to tears talking about it, right? Because I started a Telegram and I saw like my first message, hey, this is where I'll just like pretend to tweet. And I wasn't banned off Twitter when I had Telegram. I still had it. And I would just put things out. And then I, you know, obviously mine, the broadcast one is mine, but everything else is you. Uh, there were people that were constantly in the room and I was like, you know, they participate, they share content here, be an admin. This is like over a year ago. And then, you know, the, the, then you guys just evolved it. You made your state groups, your country groups, these other little spinoff groups, the education ones, the um, uh, tech ones, the digging ones. I mean, it, it's just so incredible to just watch you guys take lead. And so I get very disheartened when I see comments like, so-and-so is like the best. And I follow, and it's like, don't follow anyone. You're a leader. See, leaders always create more leaders. You know, obviously there's going to be the caddy stuff, which I don't even have time to get involved with, where people want to take leadership and, you know, they're just not equipped for it because then they want to hold on to it like dear life. It's your community, your area of expertise. I'm not going to come to Idaho and tell you how to do things, right? I'm not, you know, it's... You're an Idahoan, you know your stuff. So um, there's a bunch of groups that have been created. And I have to tell you, I have never seen a community like if America could have been, you know, designed to be represented, it would be what I see in those groups. I peek into all of them when I'm at a 
meeting in the bathroom or whatever, right? I'm looking at everything you guys are talking about and what you're doing. And sometimes I want to comment and it was like, no, because then it's like, oh, I'm like, you know, interfering. You don't interfere, uh, you know, when other people are busy, you know, solving stuff. And it's so incredible. You know, I, I dropped in on um, uh, Indiana Group uh, and I was, uh, you know, I just, it's just all of them. I drop in on all of them. There's 50 states that I look at. I mean, you know, some of them are pretty dead. <laughs> but the Canadians are popping. The Aussies are, are, are talking. You know, the music groups. I didn't even know there was a music group. And I was like, where's Dianon? He's not even in this group. You know, I, you know, watching this just, it's incredible because it's people from all walks of life. Um, you know, and I know that a lot of people, you know, reach out and it's like, I wish I can get to all the messages. I just, I, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but I'm smiling because I see what America was supposed to be and how, you know, it used to be like in, in the beginning, almost 300 years ago. But it's um, it's so incredible how you know uh, you guys are just organizing and uh, trying to make your communities better. I got a random text again today from someone that's a very, very, very prominent businessman, um, and he was like, "Holy crap, my cousin, she's a listener of yours. She just went in and got into the city council because she's like Tori said that if we get in here." You know, we can fix things. I'm a fix things. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what we need. And we don't need the Tory said. We need the, let's go fix stuff. Let's go participate in meetings. Like yesterday, I was so excited to see, and it was over dinner. So it was like, I was like, Phoebe, I'm sorry. You're going to eat dinner while mommy's on the phone. Um, because it was a live thing for Manhattan, Kansas. Someone was paying attention that there was a city council meeting. And it was so incredible to just watch it. And, and I was like, come on, let's get in there. Let's start talking. Let's moving because it's not fully operational. They're building it. We can stop this, but in order to stop it correctly, what we're going to have to do is, you know, make sure that we, um, uh, say it, um, make ourselves heard. And the only way we make ourselves heard, right. Is by organizing correctly. And unfortunately, our voices are being censored like no other, okay? Our voices are being censored because we are not allowed to speak up and, and tell the world what is bothering us. For me, my Wuhan article was very important. I don't know why the other media persons that supposedly have bigger platforms. Maybe they have uh, bigger platforms, but they're not that efficient. So maybe that's why. But I'm surprised that none of them took it and started the discussion. This is one of the most biggest atrocities that's to come. This is your crystal ball. Ultimate control. How do you get that great reset? How do you get the Georgia Guidestones to be on point? How do you reduce the population faster than other bioweapons? Maybe. But that means taking out their own. Famine, though, boy, that's quick. 
And so I was a little bit shocked that, um, you know, no one ran with it. No one ran uh, with the... Um, uh, uh, say it with the art. Oh my gosh, I can't do this because Phoebe's like texting me after her exam while I'm on air. Uh, this is... Okay, I just told her I'm on air. So... What a distraction. So we all need to unite as a nation and, you know, realize why the word united was placed in the name of our nation. It was the United States of America. The United States of America. And we are definitely not united. And it's not just the left and the right. It's within everywhere. No one, no one is not affected by these psychological operations, these listen to me, not them. We need to stop that because, you know, for years I've been saying this to the people that I work very closely with. I'm watching this train wreck. And I've promoted and approached people that can help. And they do not want to help because it's something called self-preservation. The same thing we saw on the jury for Floyd, right? This is, it's self-preservation. They want their job. They want their audience. They want their thing. They don't want to sacrifice something for the indeed greater good, which is the survival of not just our nation, but of people. Remember, they're building a bioweapons level four lab in the heart of our food production of our nation. One leak, which always happens. I don't care how many guns you have and how you've prepped. You're done. When there's no water and food, you're done. It's not like you're going to go to the supermarket. You're done. And let's say you live out in the country. When the cities fall and they've raided them, they're coming for you. And you can have a cannon and 20 million bullets, right? But at some point, those bullets are going to run out too. And you won't have water to do anything. You won't have food to eat. You will be eating your puppies, your cats, your horses, you need to understand that then when they control the food after the man-made famine, that you will all get like crazy sick. You know, when you have make-believe food, you have misfolded proteins, you have, you know, what did they call that? They they used to call it mad cow's disease, right? This, um uh, the Crutchfield's disease, right? It called it mad cow's disease. Kuru is another one. It's kind of the same. So this is how it works. And I've been trying to stress this out because, you know, a lot of people are, oh, well, look, let's pretend that 10 years ago, some genius in DC sat down, all the geniuses sat down and said, it's a great idea that we put it. And we're not going to name it Bioweapons Lab, right? We're going to name it a National Bio and Agro Defense Facility. Oh, 
that's a level four security laboratory, which we're going to actually be investigating diseases for animals. No, it's human too. So this is so obfuscated, right? Because it's a level four lab that does human and animal diseases. So they're even lying or using public relations stance on how to put it. Because why would you move it for Plum Island if it's just animals? Remember the argument in from New York when they were upgrading it to level four was that they were using, they, they were going to be experimenting with human diseases too. We're talking pathogens that have no cure, pathogens that they are inventing for warfare, right? And so the New Yorkers and the Bostonians and the, and, and the people of Connecticut said, no, you are not going to have this on Plum Island because you're not just going to be looking at diseases for animals, which is fine, but humans, and there's billions of people here. It's not happening. Millions. And I didn't mean billions, millions of people here. And we're not doing it. They said it. They said you wouldn't take this facility and put it in the middle of Kansas. So why would you experiment human viruses and diseases with no cure right here in the middle of such a thick population? And yet, boom, there you go. These geniuses decided that they're going to be putting it in the middle of Kansas, the argument that the, that the New Yorkers had. So this lab is being built right now. It's not fully operational. It's going to be in 2022, 2023, and we need to get started. Now, we also need the left on this. We need these people because they're the ones that are terrified of COVID. If COVID was bad, wait till we get something fly down tornado alley. They tell us it's climate change and then your food and water is crap. You have no food. You're dead. Every lab has the potential of a leak. We need to get the conversations going. I mean, even yesterday when I sat down and ate, I told my waitress about it and then you know, this is how you start the conversation. Can you believe that they are, there's going to be an operational Wuhan lab testing animal diseases and human diseases with no cure in Kansas? Why would they put that in the middle of our food? You know, I told my waitress and she was like, holy crap. I told my husband, he was like, yeah, I don't know. And it's like, it's not bullshit. It's real. And I was like, I know, right? I played completely dumb. Like I just heard it. So it's like, you know, people don't seem to, to understand what a big deal it is. And, and let's think level four bioweapons research laboratory, you know, in Atlanta, all the, you know, and this is all fairness to those in poverty. Don't they get the letters? Hey, want to join this uh, drug trial and human study? We'll pay you 700 bucks and give you a room to stay in Mr. Homeless Man. Come and try these drugs. That happens a lot in Atlanta, right? Where there's a level four lab, right? So we got to trust Kansas to bring it home. We got to trust Kansas to bring it home. So come on, Kansas, don't let America down. You need to start the conversation so we can heal the wounds between the left and the right and come together. And do not allow those because the only way that you win is by dispossessing people and people that want to cause you harm. These like demons, right? Because the more you let them sit, lie in the distance and wait, 
it's like that. Have you ever had sand? Those of you, <laughs> I've had sand in places you don't want to know. But have you ever had it in your eye? It's like that. When you allow evil to fester and you're like, oh, don't have time for that now. It's going to be nagging you. Like sand, a grain of sand in your eyeball is going to, it's going to hurt. And this is exactly how we are right now. We let these people go so much that we don't have one grain of sand. We probably can't even see glaucoma. Got nothing on what we got right now. We can't see from all the irritation in our eyes because we let them go. So here's what we need to do. We need to get Kansas. Come on, Kansas. I trust Kansas can do it. There's no place like home, right? Well, you don't want to be the home of the next destructive pandemic and famine. Because Dorothy and her red shoes will mean something else. So we need to trust that Kansas will bring this home. So that's one. We start the conversation with Kansas on the conservative front. The next one is, and I'm working on that, is getting the left to start talking about this. I'm already working on trying to get other uh, people within uh, the uh, conservative and centrist media to understand the gravity of this because they're so busy doing their own thing, you know, busy on, where are we going to chat next? They're banning us off of this. Stop. There's not going to be anything for them to ban you on later. While you're busy with this and they're torching cities, right? This is how they take you out. So you need to trust that that state that has always been the heart of Americana, right? And also is houses, you know, political prisoners and military prison, right? Leavenworth, right? Um, you have to trust that Kansas will take this home. So we have to have faith in our people there. We have to have faith that we can reach to them. So the one thing is the outreach. I was so excited because I didn't even think of that. I was so busy working on how to have discussions. Like, how do we get someone to ask the Biden administration about this? You know, how do I get the left to take this? Not the mainstream media. We just want the crazy left, the lefties, the crazy ones. The ones that are really far out there or the ones that are really, really passionate about animal abuse. I mean, they are doing animal experiments, I'm just saying. So why is it that that we're not finding ways to start these conversations? We are the news. We make the conversations. They don't get to pick what we talk about. And this is being not talked about. And it's being like, it was one of the most popular articles, yet nobody's talking about it. We really need to start talking about it. So do we get PETA in? Do we get the climate change people? You know, there's a lot of Native American reservations. Maybe that they'll, they'll, they'll be getting their test subjects from there or something. Who knows? We just really need to start this conversation and, and heal the wounds between both sides to come together. You know, we need to bring it together and and unite America under what? 
Oh, well, obviously, we can see this train wreck. I'm pretty sure you guys are seeing that choo-choo. You're like, yep, totally looks like it. You remember CNN said the next fear thing will be climate change. Now, think about it. Let's just speculate here, right? How can they scare us into climate change? Come on, let's think about it. Is it that it's snowing here today in, uh, you know, Ohio? Because it's snowing right now in Ohio, right? <laughs> it literally is snowing. So, so glad that I have those warm seats, I'll tell you that. So, how are they, how are they going to scare us into giving them money? Because that's the only way you fix climate change, right? Apparently, you give them money. Is it the hole in the ozone again now that we have activities with the volcanoes like we did back in the 70s and 80s? Because we all know that the hole in the ozone was caused by uh, the volcanoes and that it was all a fraud and it wasn't hairspray. So is it that? That's one option that they're going to start, you know, putting out videos and pictures of people with, with you know, scorched skin. <laughs> Who knows, right? That's one option. Another option is that aliens decided to come here and explode us because we're bad and we're hurting Mother Earth. So we're going to quickly hand over all our guns and, you know, decide all, you know, gas-related things are wrong, right? That's another one. I mean, that's kind of a summary. Or another one could be is, you know, at some point in 2023, right before the elections, um, because the climate's so bad, El Nino's so bad, and everything's so cold and frozen, you know, it destroys not only the bioweapons lab, but water treatment facilities and other things. And then we have a plague, we have bad water, we have practically no access to nourishment, sustenance, and water, and we're screwed. And then Nestle bought all the water, so, you know, they get it. Which one is it? Because there's many ways that they can do this. Many ways. So the question all of you should be asking yourselves to everyone <clears throat> is, okay, let's all pretend to agree. Let's pretend to agree that 10 years ago, it seemed like an amazing idea to stick level four bioweapons research facility for animal and human pathogens with no cures in the middle of our food supply. Let's just pretend that 10 years ago it sounded totally legit. After what happened in 2020, supposedly and allegedly came out of Wuhan and allegedly was spread, if there was one little leak with one little bat in one little wet market, let's just pretend that theory sticks, right? And this is China, where their level four labs, if you mess up, it's not like, oops, HR, write up, or you're fired. It's you're shot on the spot, right? We know how the Chinese operate, right? Let's get this straight, right? Let's say there was a leak. And they caused the damage, and obviously they're obfuscating that because then they could get sued for damages, and then the UN can put sanctions because they do have agreements between each other's nations that if they have you know, uh, spillages, you know, like oil spillages or, you know, whatever, 
that they're held responsible for damages. I mean, the Nazis, you know, caused all this damage. And then, you know, the rest of the world sued the state of Germany where they weren't Nazis to pay for that. It was war reparations, right? So you have to, again, think. So it happened in Wuhan. China's covering it up, right? Obviously. And in any lab, there's always a leak. Something happens. You want to know where the biggest leak and something happens is? Freaking Plum Island. It was a level three bioweapons animal research facility just for animals. No human diseases. The one in Kansas has human and animal. Now, it was only animal. They were supposed to sell it to fund the transfer from Plum Island to Kansas. They were supposed to sell it. So they never sold it. That was part of the deal. They never sold it. So now we're stuck with over a billion dollars that we're paying them, right? So we're now in the hole, a billion dollars, because they decided they don't want to privately sell the island to fund the transfer. So the question is, why aren't they selling this island? I'll tell you why. Because that island is now toxic. That island is a problem. Yet for some reason they created this NGO that has like 200 followers on Facebook and their voice is way louder than yours because they got Congress to sneak in the omnibus bill that President Trump signed in December of 2020 to not sell the island because get this, it's an ecological sanctuary. What? Three-eyed frogs. Devastating soil counts. It's toxic to life. And they claim that it's an ecological sanctuary. So they didn't sell it. And therefore now, you pay a billion dollars to go. This is how you do it. I mean, maybe I can, you know, suggest to the left, ooh, look, President Trump did it. Maybe I can get them to talk about it if I say that Trump did it, even though, you know who signed it? Guess who signed off on that transfer? I mean, it was done 10 years ago. Doesn't take a rocket science to do the math, right? So this is where we need to be focusing on is uniting the left and the right. The left, and we're not talking super far gone people, because for some reason, a rapist, you know, a guy that held a pregnant woman at gunpoint and then gang raped her, you know, to rob her in her house, is now an icon that they praise. And an officer that didn't even have his knee on a neck, right, is now going to jail because the jury didn't want to get their family slaughtered. Because someone's going to leak their names. You see, it could be an oopsie leak. That's compromising the jury. That's against the law. And the fact that Maxine Waters showed up, if you were on the jury, you'd be shitting your pants too. Because if you have kids, you'd be terrified. So this is jury tampering, obstruction of justice. Where are we going with this? So hopefully you guys can start conversations with people. 
in your community. We need people to be able to start these conversations and push forward. So let's talk about um, threats and intimidations. Grant Stinchfield actually did a pretty good job at putting this together, um, you know, a, a few hours ago on Newsmax. Uh, and it was quite, quite interesting. Hold on. Let me, let me share this with you. Mm -hmm. Where is it? Here we go. So Grant did a pretty good job. So let's take a listen to what he said. Um, I was actually quite quite impressed the way he put it together. Here we go. Go ahead tonight. The man who killed George Floyd by kneeling on his neck now faces 40 years in prison. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin made most of us sick to our stomachs as we watched him leave his knee on George Floyd's neck as Floyd pleaded for help. The nearly 10-minute video, of course, is hard to watch. Most officers I spoke with all agree Chauvin should have checked on his suspect, tested his resistance, and even sat him up, certainly gotten him help sooner. But let me make this very clear. The manslaughter charge I can see, death by negligence, Chauvin created an unreasonable risk to Floyd. But convicting him of second-degree unintentional murder, to me, in my opinion, is nothing short of bowing to the mob here. What the jury is saying is that Chauvin is guilty of intentionally committing assault, intentionally inflicting, quote, substantial bodily harm that led to Floyd's death. Intentionally. I do not see it. I think Chauvin was poorly trained, but I don't think he intentionally set out to inflict harm. The evidence doesn't support that claim either. The autopsy certainly doesn't support that claim. So why did the jury come down with the harshest ruling possible in just 10 hours to send a man to prison for 40 years? The answer is right here. Well, we, we got to stay on the street uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we mean business. I mean business. Maxine Waters threatened the jury there before they were sequestered, by the way. See, Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters, they all threaten the jury by their actions day in and day out. And our own president today pretty much threatened the jury, too. I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict, which is, I think it's overwhelming in my view. I wouldn't say that unless the, the jury was sequestered now. Not hear me say that. The right verdict? It's like a mob boss saying, you know what to do, now go do it. Maxine Waters, BLM, Joe Biden, they all actually threatened America. If you do not comply with the guilty verdict on the murder charge, America will burn. That's the message we all got day in and day out. And the intimidation worked. This is the very reason the jury should have been sequestered during the entire trial, not just the deliberation of the verdict as Joe Biden was talking about. If they were truly sequestered, I'd never be able to make this claim. Other conservatives could never make this claim that they were intimidated into returning nothing less than the harshest verdict of guilty for murder. 
by allowing the jury to hear these wild threats and violence and destruction, to see the riots going on across the country day in and day out over the past few weeks, the judge threatened the integrity of this verdict. So here is what will happen now. Democrats will be emboldened by their means justify the ends victory here. Cops are now put on notice. You make a mistake, you could go to jail for 40 years. What will happen? Here's my prediction. The cops are going to just give up, okay? The criminals will win. Crime will flourish. And cops will continue to be vilified. Again, Derek Chauvin made a horrible, deadly mistake. I 100% agree. He deserves punishment. But not 40 years in prison. That's the possibility. But I believe the system here failed us all. And now the Democrats literally rejoice at this as nearly every one of them now claims this verdict is not enough. Hey, I'm Rob Finnerty. Thanks for watching. If All right. So now uh, the verdict is in. He was found manslaughter and murder and this and that. All charges, right? And the judge is at fault. Let's be fair. Let's assume that, you know, his knee on the shoulder which the video showed was the concern. Let's just say it, right? All right? Horrible. Well then, why did the judge not sequester the jury? Why did they let the jury see this? The judge is to blame here. He should be taken off that bench. That's number one. In the United States of America, no matter what the public says, you are due a fair trial, period. Whatever the public says, you are due a fair trial. I mean, OJ got one and got off, right? Everyone had, you know, their thoughts, but he still got off, right? Because he had a fair trial. There was no fair trial. It is a sham. So the judge needs to be removed. That has to happen. And it will. Because we already have, oh, where is it? Please tell me that I have it lined up. We already have that right after the verdict came out, the AG, this is where it's going to be, the AG announces an investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department. Now, if you're going after the police department as an AG of the United States of America, that is indeed a very, very big deal. <laughs> and he's doing it. And this tells the police, we are not with you. We are coming after you because you do not do what we tell you. You either do as we say and execute your duties as we tell you, or this is what happens. Good morning. Like so many of you, I have closely watched the events in Minnesota. Although the state's prosecution was successful, I know that nothing can fill the void that the loved ones of George Floyd have felt since his death. My heart goes out to them and to all those who have experienced similar loss. I know such wounds have deep roots and that too many communities have experienced those wounds firsthand. Yesterday's verdict in the state criminal trial does not address 
potentially systemic policing issues in Minneapolis. Today, I am announcing that the Justice Department has opened a civil investigation to determine whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of unconstitutional or unlawful policing. This effort will... Let's stop right there one second. Let me tell you something about the Minneapolis Police Department so you guys know. They are the most unconstitutional. Did you know that in the state of Min of Minnesota, that as you drive by a police car, they're allowed to scan every single license plate and check if you're wanted? They don't have to stop you. You could just be driving. Did you know that? Did you also know that they have on-tap facial recognition while they interact with you? Oh, that was all done by the EFF. And I agree with them where they say that facial recognition is more biased to African-Americans because their features are not ably discerned on cameras as they are for those that are paler in skin. Actually, the optimal skin color for optimal, um, you know, facial recognition is brown, just so you know. So this is actually all panned out. So they are engaging in unconstitutional policing because they don't have to stop you and they check your plates. Okay, so you may have driven by a car that had a, you know, the policeman sitting in his car in Minnesota having coffee, uh, waiting for his partner to pick up his Dunkin Donut and you're driving by and for some reason they're looking for your vehicle or someone that drove your vehicle or is associated with you may be with you and they may have a warrant. So guess what happens? As you drive by, their little thing goes ding, and then they're like, boom. And they come to you and they pull you over and they're like, yo, you've got Joe Schmo in your car? No, I don't. Let me check your license. Let me run your stuff. But what did I do? Uh, none of your business. We just stopped you because we were looking for your car. That's basically it. It's all run by artificial intelligence. It's this new smart policing thing. And actually the state of North Dakota implemented that just two years ago. And they piloted that in the, in the city of Fargo. So this is Gestapo regime tactics, right? And this is why they wanted the ID 2020 um, to go happen. Remember when I got my um, speeding ticket during the funeral on Monday? So I still have a temporary plate. Well, guess what I got? I got a phone call from the car dealership of Tesla asking me to provide, you know, um, more information because the DMV wanted to make sure I was me. And I was like, more ID than my driver's license? What? So just so you understand how that is, everything is digital now and they need to have everything on the spot. So, you know, now they called me saying, oh, because you had an out-of-state driver's license when you purchased it, they just need extra verification. We need your social. And that's funny because your social security number was never supposed to be an identifier right? It was supposed to be an account number for your supposed retirement funds that you were supposed to have, right? We've talked about this before. And it was the way that they steal your money. They're, <laughs> you know, that's the way it is. They need to be able to track every single thing. Your social security number is not safe. It is the most compromised number there is, right? 
And it is legit an account number after the age of 65 when you're on Medicare. That's where they bill every single cotton swab, gauze, anything with the doctor is billed right there. So I want you guys to understand just how police state it is as you listen to him pander and play politics when we already know Minnesota has been on the spot for a very, very long time through organizations like the EFF. Let's just be straight. Will be staffed by experienced attorneys and other personnel from the Justice Department Civil Rights Division and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Minnesota. The new civil investigation is separate from and independent of the federal criminal investigation into the death of George Floyd that the Justice Department has previously announced. Congress gave the department the authority to conduct civil practice pattern or practice investigations, which look beyond individual incidents to assess systemic failures. Those investigations allow the department to determine whether a police department has a pattern or practice of unconstitutional or unlawful policing. The investigation I am announcing today will assess whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of using excessive force including during protests. The investigation will also assess whether the MPD engages in discriminatory conduct and whether its treatment of those with behavioral health disabilities is unlawful. It will include a comprehensive review of the Minneapolis Police Department's policies, training, supervision, and use of force investigations. It will assess the effectiveness of the MPD's current systems of accountability and whether other mechanisms are needed to ensure constitutional and lawful policing. Broad participation in this investigation from the community and from law enforcement will be vital to its success. The Justice Department has already begun to reach out to community groups and members of the public to learn about their experiences with the MPD. We also seek to hear from the department's officers about the training and support they receive because their perspective is essential. Now, remember, this is all pandering. Do you remember how uh, James O'Keefe is going after the New York Times for saying that, you know, the remember when Ilhan Omar had the Somali gangs going after people and paying people and collecting votes? Do you remember that? And they were like, oh, it's fake and they're going to court now and it's going forward now. So now we get discovery, right? This is this is something that happens a lot in Minneapolis. They're run by gangs. It's all mobs, right? For there, it's more of, you know, pirate mobs, right? The Somali pirates. But for example, in other places like Florida, we have, you know, the Armenian mob, the Dominican, uh, and I would say those are the Fonduls, right? But um, there's tons of little factions. You know, I actually had a conversation with Gavin this morning and he was like, yo, this looks like it's like the Crips and all this stuff. It's like the gangs are trying to gain territory. Not far from the truth because it's kind of like they're coming up as much just to, as useful idiots, of course, because those in political power will have access to water and food and bunkers that you won't remember that. 
So again, responding to my, uh, you know, pushing on my earlier statement, that's the concern that I have is that people are not taking this seriously. We're so distracted with riots because that's what they are, um, that we're not paying attention to what's actually happening underneath, just right under our noses. Here's a report um, from the sheriff in Florida. Listen to this. Florida, he joins us tonight. Sheriff, thanks so much for coming on. You enforce the law for a living. When violent mobs of civilians demand punishment for people outside of our legal system, what happens to the country? Well, it breaks down the entire system. You know, we are a democracy because of our rule of law. And the republic fails to exist if we don't respect that republic and that law. And it's the beginning of the breakdown of the entire system, Tucker. So, I mean, if your job, is, and I assume if, you know, you work for the government at any level, local, state, federal, your job by definition is to preserve the system that we all, I thought, believed in. How do you, res if, a, if a mob shows up at a witness's house and smears pig blood on it, do you ignore that? Not in the state of Florida, we don't. We lock them up. We put them in jail. There's specific laws against that. Trespassing, intimidating the witness, interfering in the trial. It is offensive to me as an American to think that anyone could do that and get away with it. I guarantee you that won't happen in the state of Florida and it won't happen in this county. They'll go to jail before quit. I, I believe you, and that's one of the reasons so many people are moving to Florida right now. But I have to ask, I mean, we've seen situations like this fairly frequently in American history. We saw them in the 1950s and 60s where municipalities decided they were going to ignore the law. And so the feds got involved and said, I'm sorry, it's America. You can't violate people's civil rights. We're not going to allow it. If we have to send the 101st Airborne, we're going to do that. That's not even under consideration here. The Justice Department of the Biden administration is doing absolutely nothing. What do you make of that? Well, certainly I hope that the Attorney General Garland recognizes and upholds his oath to the Constitution. We all take an oath to support the Constitution and individual rights of everyone. People right. have a right to protest. They have a right to be angry with the government. They don't have a right to be violent. They don't have a right to attack government officials. They don't have a right to interfere in trials when people are trying to get a fair trial in the United States of America. We protect that right in the state of Florida. Governor DeSantis is very strong. We're very strong. We do what's right in Florida all the time. That's guarantee. I don't think I've heard it more clearly put than that. Chef Grady Judd of Polk County, Florida, appreciate your coming on tonight. Glad to be with you, Tucker. Well, let's watch him in his full glory. Obviously, you know, I don't want to be, uh, you know, ding saying that I'm using uh, Tucker's because Fox is like that. So <clears throat> I can actually use local news. So here we go. I want you guys to listen to what this, um, what this sheriff has to say about riots. Ladies and gentlemen, I've had the privilege of being in law enforcement my entire adult life, and I've worked with the legislature for a majority of my law enforcement career in my adult life. Never have I seen the leadership 
that I see. Okay, so this video from the local station is not good on sound, so I'm going to get us another one. Give me a second. I have another one. Um, but it's shortened, of course. Um, let's go to 10 Tampa Bay. Here so the, there's no mis- Is it just me? It could just be me because it can't be that all of them are bad. They're standing today. Hmm. This. Yep. Is it just me, guys? Let me see the chat. Or are you guys having difficulty hearing him too? The sound is okay. Okay. All right. So I guess it's just my, my headset then. Fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, I was Oops, here as a wrong support. One. Wrong one. Sorry. All right. Let me, let me put it up then if it's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I've had the privilege of being in law enforcement my entire adult life. And I've worked with a legislature for a majority of my law enforcement career, my adult life. Never have I seen the leadership that I see with Governor DeSantis, with Speaker Sprouse, and with President Simpson. They're making a positive difference, not for government, but for the people of the state of Florida. Florida is a unique place and a special place. It's where we work, where we live, but it's also where the world comes to play, to bring their children. And their children have a right to be safe. And that's guaranteed under the leadership of our governor, our speaker, our president, and the way we do business in Florida. You can compare and contrast. Look at Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis. That's no way to treat the community. That's no way to treat those that have put their entire life into building their business. We saw folks' businesses burn around this nation who literally had worked their entire life and had every penny of their life savings involved. And what our governor said is, that's not happening here. And we're going to be proactive, and we're going to make sure people are safe. Well, it might come as a surprise to you, Governor. I got some. There you go. <laughs> I want to make sure everybody knows this is a peaceful protest. We encourage it. It's the foundation of our country, and we want people to peacefully protest when they feel the need. This is a riot, and this will get you locked up before quick in the state of Florida. Pay attention. We've got new law, and we're going to use it if you make us. We're going to protect the people. No longer will people walk up and surround you as a citizen of Florida or a, or a visitor of Florida surround you while you're eating dinner at an outdoor cafe in a big mob without there being immediate consequences and arrest. It's not acceptable. We need a million of those sheriffs, okay, guys, with well, pictures and visual aids for those that don't understand. Don't get it the first time. Peaceful protest, we encourage, and more riot. We can tell the difference. And I'll guarantee you that you'll be able to tell the difference if you come here and riot. If you come here and protest peacefully, we encourage that. But why is all of this important? Look at DeSantis's face. Though. I'll tell you why. 
He's smiling. Look at him. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just whooped that out. something I want you to see. This is what we enjoy in Florida. This is the Florida we know and love. This is what our governor, our speaker, our president, this is what all these law enforcement officers and administrators and sheriffs and police chiefs and their officers do every day. They guarantee an environment where you can come here and have fun. Heck, you can even have more fun. Here's another picture. This is the Look at all the fun we know and love. We're a special place. And there are millions and millions of people who like to come here. That's why it's going to be frankly, the capital. We like to I have mean. them here. So we only want to share one thing as you move in hundreds a day. Welcome to Florida. But don't register to vote and vote the stupid way you did up north. You'll get what they got. <laughs> There's a reason that this place is fun. There's a reason why we have a 49-year low crime rate. And the same people that don't think we should have an anti-rioting bill or a rioting bill are the same ones that think we ought to let more people out of prison. And where they're doing that, as the governor and our speakers have alluded to, crime goes up. But it's not just crime that goes up. Victimization goes up. The people in this those guy needs to be governor soon. OK, and killed and their livelihoods changed and their children are changed. So when I look at this president, I know my children and my grandchildren are safer today than they've ever been because of his leadership and the leadership of our speaker and our president and the wonderful men and women and the sheriffs that are here. God bless you all. Okay. Well, it wouldn't be a Grady Judd press conference without some visual aids. So. <laughs> and I think we need more visual aids, right, guys? I mean, a lot of people don't understand. They need pictures, you know? Maybe we should like send them pictures of, you know, Wuhan and people being burned alive and people dying and what goes on in level four facilities, because that's really important. But we should also take a look at, you know, what is happening now. Uh, we have, uh, you know, a new riot coming up, right? Uh, CNN uh, did this report about another shooting and this time in Ohio and it's really bad warning this video it contains sensitive just listen to their report because that's sensitive too <laughs> I said that yeah, here we go protests in Columbus Ohio the scene of another deadly police shooting this happened minutes before the verdict was handed down in the Derek Chauvin trial and the victim here is a 16 year old girl According to police, the officer fired after the teen tried to cut two other girls with a knife. But in the graphic body camera video of the incident, it shows a very chaotic scene. It is incredibly difficult to discern exactly what is happening here. And there are still so many questions that need to be answered. Guys, we're going to go through this frame by frame. But I want you to listen to this fake news. I want you to listen to it. CNN's Ryan Young is live for us in Columbus with the latest. Uh, Ryan, what are you learning about this? This is a, it, it is very difficult to understand what's happening in this in this video. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then look, protesters even took to the street last night to say they were very upset about this. The fact that they released this video so quickly, you can understand what the city was trying to do in terms of letting people know what position their officer was in. From what we know right now, there was some sort of disturbance call. There was obviously a fight going on. When the officer arrives, he made a split second decision. Of course, some people in the community don't think that's the right one. We're going to warn you, though, the video is, is difficult to watch. It's disturbing. We're going to show it to you in real time the first time through. Take a watch. So here's one. You see the dude over here just kicked a girl in the head after he pushed her down. And then over here, these two are fighting. Okay? Just so that we get some, you know, perspective. This dude over here kicks a girl in the head. Let's just go back to just seeing that quickly. Totally flips her over by kicking her in the head. Totally cool. And they stop right there. Right? They stop right there. So Macriah Bryant is the young lady who was in it. She was 16 years old. The officer Maybe. arrived and said he saw a knife uh, and then open fire, unfortunately, shooting that young lady four times. Uh, she did die. Uh, we've also uh, have the video slowed down. Uh, this police department actually slowed this video down as they released this video. Take a watch of this version of it as police show what their officer was dealing with. So I'm not sure you still. I want to say something. So first of all, the reporter's wearing like a black leather mask. It's identical to the masks that the Egyptians used to put on uh, the Egyptian pharaohs made Egyptians wear to make them know that they're not in charge and that they are owned. We'll see this video, but, but right now uh, the do. officer approaches, there is a knife, there's some, there's some movement there, and then he opens fire. Now, of course, there's a lot of people who are upset with this decision. So a lot of questions will be going on. The officer is then put on paid administrative leave. It normally happens after a shooting like this. On top of that, of course, there's calls in the community for more of an investigation. But listen to what the mayor had to say during this difficult situation. Not just the mayor, my father. All right, Andrew, you've got yourself, your hands totally full. Let's talk about a father. First of all, she was in a foster home. That means that the girl had, you know, she was probably having a really bad life. Understood. She comes from a, ve she's very aggressive because children that are in abusive households, she was in a foster home, right? She had family, but they had her in a foster home rather than the family have her. That tells you a lot too. So I'm just giving you some context on that. The city of Columbus lost a 15 year old girl today. Let's ask the foster care system. We know based on this footage, the officer took action to protect another young girl in our community. So he had a pick. Does he let her stab her and then arrest her so the other girl dies? Or does he shoot her to protect the girl from not dying? Which one is it? But I wanted to say something. It kind of seemed like the guy that was kicking the girl in the head was the one that gave her the knife. Or maybe it was me. There's a slow down video. We should watch it right after this. But a family's grieving tonight. And this young 15-year-old girl will never be coming home. Yeah, you can understand all the emotions that are involved in this. Brianna, look, there are so many questions that are still attached to this. Another police-involved shooting. Of course, someone could say that the officer felt he was protecting the other two young ladies. 
Um, it was reported at one point that Makaya might have actually called police herself for help. So many questions in this with emotions running so high across this country, especially when it comes to police involved shootings with black um, youth at this point. It is uh, just very difficult day ahead for Columbus. And we'll see what happens as it plays out. Brianna. It is. And we know you'll be digging on those questions. Ryan Young for us in Ohio. Thank you. Guys, I, I kid you not. You should go to protest in. You should go to the museum of ancient Egyptian, whatever. The guy's mask is identical to the one that the pharaohs used to put on their. I kid you not. And it's like, are you for real? Now, the AP, which selected our president, also showed a slowdown video. So let's watch that together and take a look at what actually transpired. Earlier today, we had a police-involved shooting. Normally, we don't uh, provide information this soon, but we understand the public's need, desire, and expectation to have transparency upon what happened. We've worked very hard tonight to provide you a short uh, video of the officer, the first officer that arrived at scene, and this is the officer that did ultimately fire his weapon. The information was that a caller said females were there trying to stab them and put their hands on. Did you see how they put down this writing? Police shot and killed a teenage girl Tuesday afternoon in Columbus just as the verdict was being announced in the trial for killing George Floyd. Huh. So interesting. The timing is just impeccable. See when you have people's shadows, how awesome it becomes. Trying to stab them and put their hands on them. Deadly force can be used to protect uh, yourself or the protection of a third person. So that. So that guy just kicked a chick in the head and he was screaming, you just killed a young girl. And it's like, you just kicked this chick in the head and flipped her over. Um, were you doing that just to hurt her? No intention, malicious or anything. Maybe that wouldn't kill her. I'm just trying to figure that out. That is within the policy and that was in. Oh, is look at that. That's a knife. She's going in to stab the other person in the guts. So the police are not supposed to protect that other girl, right, at all, who happens to be black as well, right? Because the other one with the knife has rights to life, even though she's going to take somebody else. Because you don't come at someone with a knife with the intention to pet them, right? Or, or like that, that is, or do them some good. Uh, that kind of looks like you're going to kill them. And what if she was going for the neck? Instant kill in the eye. Instant kill, right? So this is how the scenario was. Now, if you're a police officer, what do you do? Do you let her stab the other person while you already have a male that just assaulted a woman on the floor, kicked her in the head so hard that she flipped forward 
I mean, this is the kind of scenario you come up to and you're like, hey, what's going on? And suddenly you've got a grown ass dude kicking a woman. Oh, but she doesn't count because she's white, right? From what I noticed, she was a little bit, her skin color wasn't the right one. So he kicked her in the back of the head, flipping her over from the ground. So she was laying on her back. And he scooped his foot under and kicked her so hard that he flipped her, right? This black male kicked that white female that was on her back and flipped her over while this supposed victim, right? Because she was totally not doing anything wrong, right? Of course, she just had a knife and she was charging while holding down another girl who happened to also be black. I guess, you know, we're seeing the real picture here. So that's quite interesting how, you know, everyone's coming out. She's mostly peaceful. The poor girl with the knife, I feel so sorry for her. She is in a foster home, which means she's already in pain, spiritual pain. She hates the world because it's not her fault that she's been going through this pain. God knows what's happening in the foster home, right? Could be good, could be bad. The fact that her aunt came out to speak, it's like, why don't you have her and why is she in foster care? Questions, questions, questions. Regardless, that poor girl that was shot, her soul, imagine being 15 and 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 being so enraged that you want to take someone's life. This is so sad. It is very sad. It's very sad. It's within the law. That is the, what the law says. Whether this complies. So she doesn't look like she's, she was going for her neck. Oh my gosh. And the girl, you saw that? She was actually going for her neck. Look at that. Hold on. Let's see it. It's slowed down. That is the, what the law says. Whether this complies with that will be part of that investigation. A black-handled blade resembling a kitchen knife or steak knife appeared to be lying on the sidewalk next to her immediately after she shot and fell. So we needed to see it on the floor. You didn't see it in her hand while she was yielding it at the other girl's neck. Okay. Uh, medics were called right of way. Uh, officers, you can see from the video, the one officer is assessing. Uh, the young lady for injuries, uh, and then CPR was started. Uh, once we are able to release that full public record to you, you'll see some additional uh, life-saving measures that were taken by at least two officers that were at scene. And so the guy that just kicked, can you hear the dude? He's like, you just killed a girl. And it's like, you just kicked a woman that was laying on the floor after being pushed down on her back and you flipped her over from kicking her in the back of the head. And now you have a problem. She was yielding a knife at another woman. Okay, we need an anti-riot law now in the state of Ohio because this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. The, the guy that kicked the woman was warranted to be shot too.
Let's put it this way. If I'm a cop and I see you seeing someone on the floor laying on their back and you kick them so hard that you lift them and they flip over like forward, right, with such thrust and animosity, you're getting shot in the kneecap because that's a threat. You didn't do that to pet them or be nice or threaten them. You did it with intent for harm, which could be anything from I want to give you a bruise to I want to kill you. That's the intent of harm. Harm doesn't have, you know, a cap, right? It, it's harm, period. So that's very important for us to kind of refocus and, and understand what is really playing out here. This isn't, this isn't a game. And they're very vicious. You saw the way CNN reported it. And it was so weird that that guy was, I just can't believe he wore that mask. That was so bizarre. Well, on that note, let's, um, let's get some coffee, right? And I'll be right back. So here's a, a, a tune for intermission that's uh, also thought-provoking. See you in a bit. If I could turn the page And time that I'd rearrange Just a day or two Close my, close my, close my eyes I couldn't find a way So I settled for one day to believe in you Tell me, tell me, tell me lies Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies Tell me lies, tell me, tell me lies Oh no, no, you can't disguise can't disguise Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies Tell me lies Oh no, no, you can't disguise Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies I'd go to the moon in a nanosecond uh, the problem is we don't have the technology to do that anymore. We used to, but we uh, destroyed that technology and uh, it's a painful process to build it back again. I want to congratulate all of you who have come to Mexico City in person and online to be part of this groundbreaking summit. You are the vanguard of a rising generation of citizen activists who are using the latest technological tools to catalyze change, build movements and transform lives. And I hope this conference provides an opportunity for you to learn from each other and discover the tools and techniques that will open new doors for activism and empowerment when you return home. All over the world, young people like you are driving progress. In Colombia, two young college graduates fed up with violence in their country used Facebook to organize 14 million people into the largest anti-terrorism demonstrations in history. In Iran, we saw young people using Twitter and YouTube to communicate with each other and the world, despite a government crackdown designed to keep them silent. And in India, a 14-year-old high school student from Mumbai used social networking to link together half a million people who sought solidarity and support in the aftermath of the November 2008 terrorist attacks. 
You have all traveled unique paths to get here today. You come from different cultures and countries and speak different languages, but you all share a common commitment to engaging with the world, to using every tool at your disposal to bring people together to solve problems. And that makes you the kind of leaders we need as we work to meet the challenges and seize the opportunities of the 21st century. Governments can't do it alone. Citizens, organizations, businesses, universities, everyone with a stake in our shared future must take responsibility for shaping it. That's what we call 21st century statecraft. So thank you for being on the front lines of progress, and I can't wait to see what all of you do next. A state front of progress. Mm. Interesting. It should be a topic we talk about soon. Speaking of topics we talk about soon, I always liked Russell Brand. I actually uh, ran into him at a club, believe it or not, 20 years ago. So funny. He was like, are you a comedian? Wait a minute, you're Janine Garofalo. I was like, totally not, but okay. Yeah, I, I used to get that a lot. I was actually stopped at an airport once and someone asked me for an autograph thinking I was Janine Garofalo. Anyway, he has this new show. And I thought I'd play part of a clip that he had with Edward Snowden because Snowden actually said something very interesting. The bad guys are at a pizza parlor. You can kick in the door and flush them out, right? You just need to burn down that tower that's at the end of your block and everything will be better. Um, that's a world that's more attractive. Audio is not great. It's almost like his whole internet activity has to be conducted under incredible secrecy. <laughs> Are the most frightening conspiracies those that are happening right before our very eyes in plain sight? I spoke to Edward Snowden on my Luminary podcast, Under the Skin, and Edward Snowden said that there are so many conspiracies that are demonstrably true that the term conspiracy theory isn't relevant. Let's see what Edward had to say. The greatest conspiracies are open and notorious. Uh, they're, they're not theories. But practices, practices expressed through law and policy uh, and systems of government, uh, technology, finance, right? What Edward said there reminds me of uh, an aphorism I heard elsewhere. If you take every single policy in which the two main parties agree in that area, you have no choice at all. Do you see if the Democrats and the Republicans or Labour and the Conservatives or whatever the appropriate parties are in your democracy, although I recognise there are some distinctions in countries like Italy or whatever, but whatever's off the table, you have no choice on that by, by definition. And when he talks about how legislation and institutional power can amend and adapt itself so that something is legal now, well, that shows you that is true power. Hey, it's illegal to spy on your population. Oh, is it? It is now legal to spy on your population. All those in favor say aye. Aye. It's not illegal anymore. Conspirators, more often than not, they announce their intentions. They're reported all over the place there. So why am I telling you this? I'm going to go back to Wuhan, Kansas, because I'm telling you, you want to see one? You couldn't see Obamacare. You couldn't see 9-11. You couldn't see the elections, right? Because that wasn't in your face. They made it law. They changed the laws, like the president said. Not a conspiracy. They actually do it. And what else are they doing out in the open? The Wuhan lab. 
What have they done? They've just stolen from us over a billion dollars to move one of the biggest <laughs> facilities to research pathogens with no cures for animals and humans within in the middle of our food supply and no one says anything there is no law that says we should pay for it the initial agreement was we're selling the island but they made that go away because they said we're not selling the island you get it so since we're not selling the island we're still moving it did you get our permission to take over a billion dollars? You see, there are tons of conspiracy theories. I want you guys to see the article I wrote about Obama normalizing pedophilia and bestiality. You need to read it because it wasn't just Obama. It was Bush and Clinton who slowly changed the laws. And you'll be surprised the ones that they changed it in weren't the ones that you abide by. It was the UCMJ because that's the only law that will apply in the cities. I want you to pay attention. That's why I wrote that article. Hardly, I mean, if you actually read rather than skim through or share a fancy title and picture, you would be aware. But all of you were victim to doing the same thing. You see something catchy and then you share it. I mean, it's like the Gateway Pundit. They put two paragraphs and people have such a short attention span. They read two and they think they know what they're talking about. They don't. You need to be reading and understanding uh, the laws. That article on Wuhan showed you the arguments they had over 10 years ago as to why they shouldn't build a bioweapons research with human diseases on Plum Island. And so they decided to move animal and human diseases into our food. Reading. In there it says, Congress hid information. That's why they snuck it into the omnibus bill. What he said is so important. So important. Because no one's going to sit there. Oh, man. Do you know that it's not illegal to travel with a human body part? I wrote an article about a guy getting stopped in South Carolina with 30 penises, 30 human penises in his trunk. Do you know that's not that's not even illegal? Transporting human body parts is not illegal, right? Obviously, you have to prove you didn't kill him or you have to tell him where you got it from, but it's not illegal. You can transport human body parts. It's not illegal. But see, people don't read anymore. They do not read. Did you know what else they're doing? They're pushing this new law to make incest consensual. Incest legal. What? What? This is way too close to home. But I'm going to tell you what. That's disgusting. That is sickening and disgusting. Sickening and disgusting. But... It's a conspiracy, right? Even though they're passing laws, right? It's a conspiracy. It's so horrible. Let me just um, roll over to this part. I actually think Russell Brand is so hot. I'd totally love to get stoned with him. Right. <laughs> uh, hey, you said we was going to own nothing and be happy. I do own nothing. Well, so we delivered on that part. You own nothing. 
I'm unhappy. Oh, yeah, no, you should have read that really long contract. You did sign that, see? But when you just scope out and look at the, the concept of these everyday conspiracies, the large impactful conspiracies, the prime interest rate has changed. You know, a, a new free service has been created to host our personal files. Uh, these conspiracies order and disorder our lives, and yet they can't compete for attention uh, with Twitter and Facebook. I guess, again, what Edward Snowden is reiterating is that it's sort of boring. There's just this incremental bureaucratic creep that's colonizing personal power. I mean, I don't even understand what he's saying about that file thing because it's too boring to understand, isn't it? It's too buck. What, what about my files, Mr. Shepard? Presumably, you're putting every all of your information in some accessible cloud. The truest conspiracies meet with the least opposition. Or to, to put it um, in a different way, uh, conspiracy practices the proven conspiracy, the true conspiracy, such as gerrymandering or the debt industry or mass surveillance, are almost always usurped by conspiracy theories. We need to be careful because some things that are termed as conspiracy theories are, in fact, true. Mass surveillance, famously for the longest time, was referred to as a conspiracy theory. There was an assumption that mass surveillance was a tin hat, you're a loon type conspiracy. Of course, then, many of the other things that are deemed and termed conspiracies, and you know, you're watching this online, so it ain't hard for you to access those things, presumably then, may be waiting for verification waiting for a whistleblower to come forward and go, actually, we are doing this. Actually, this has been going on. Of course, there are other aspects in the realm of conspiracy that, to me at least, seem reductive, vivid and dramatic. And, you know, you believe whatever you want to believe. And I'm open to a lot of things. But for me, I prefer to stay in the realm of the empirical, that which can be proven and demonstrated, not because I'm closed minded to further conspiracy, but simply because when presenting an argument in an arena that is defined by empiricism, science, data and demonstration, you're best not to go, I find, out on a peninsula of making claims that might be vivid and dramatic unless you can demonstrate their veracity, simply because you want to win the argument. You want to win the argument. You mean common win sense? The argument. I mean, convince as many people as possible, look, this is happening. Now, if you do that, then that's a platform for further conversation. As I say, I'm not closed-minded to anything, but personally, I prefer to keep my focus on stuff that is data-driven because, well, then we can start to build change and create a different type of identity, way of communicating, uh, way of understanding our world. Okay, so let's let's use that theory. Let's build on things that we can show. Conspiracy, here we go. National Bio and Agro Defense Facilities. So this is what they're calling this. That's what the laboratory is being called. Here's the page from Kansas State University. I trust Kansas. I know Kansas will fix this. The National Bio and Agro Defense Facility, or NBAF, will be America's foremost animal disease research facility. Oh, hold on. Wait. Gets better. This is how they're introing. So we're putting an animal disease research facility in Kansas. Okay. It's being constructed by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. The $1.25 billion facility is a biosafety level 4 laboratory and will replace the aging Plum Island Animal Disease Center in New York. 
and BAF is expected to be operational by 2022-2023. After a three-year site selection process, Manhattan, Kansas was selected as the location for NBAF. The facility is under construction on Kansas State University Manhattan campus and is adjacent to the university's Biosecurity Research Institute. This strategic location places NBAF near important veterinary, agricultural, and biosecurity research and expertise. Wait, this is where they're going to start telling you it's investigating human stuff. Let's listen to their clip and how they've pitched this. Oops, gosh darn it. I didn't want to X. Okay. Okay, so since this is a PowerPoint, I'll have to read it to you while it plays. Scientific research is the greatest defense in protecting the nation's animal agricultural, animal agriculture and public health. NBAF provides this research. Well, that went too fast and it's too loud, isn't it? Let me like mute this thing. This is like super loud. How do I do that? I can't. So I'll lower that, and then there we go. So it says, okay, let's see, play. I'm playing it. No, okay. NBAF provides this research ensuring the safety of our national food supply, connecting us with global discovery, connecting us with leadership and innovation, connecting us with freedom and security, connecting us with new partnerships. Wuhan, maybe? Connecting us with science and showing some really nice microscopes. Located among the world's largest concentration of animal health companies. Let's keep going. NBAF will leverage the research. Damn it, that went too fast and I want my podcasters to hear it. NBAF will leverage the research and development of the KC Animal Health Corridor. And now it's showing the facility mock-up. 690,000 square feet NBAF research campus anchors the northeast corner of Kansas State University. NBAF scientists will collaborate with academic, commercial, and government researchers around the world, enhancing global standards of protection against foreign animal emerging zoonic animal-to-human diseases. NBAF is a state-of-the-art research facility, diagnostic biosafety level 2, 3, and 4 laboratories, filling a critical gap in our existing biodefense structure, providing the unique capability to work on high-consequence pathogens affecting large livestock. NBAF also provides enhanced diagnostic capabilities necessary for rapid response to threats to our food supply. Designed to safely and securely meet its mission while protecting employees and the public from pathogens being studied. Towering genius disdains a beaten path. It seeks regions hit hereto unexplored. That was a Lincoln. That was a quote. Now they're showing fancy pictures of this new facility designed to provide open views while maintaining security features <laughs> sorry i had a laugh an inviting informative secure visitor center will be the public space for nbaf the main entrance space will welcome visitors and house exhibits and house exhibits wait is that obama's face stop 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 whoa did you see that hold on hold on no go back who's that i think that's barack obama Who's that? Who's that, guys? 
Are you seeing that? Did you guys see that? That's Obama's face on the wall. Hmm. Janet Napolitano, right? Obama's face on the wall. Janet Reno. Whoa, that's Obama. That's pretty crazy. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Sounds interesting, right? Is that Obama? Hmm. Let's continue this video. Guys, they showed security. And as you enter through the security doors that look something out of Gattaca, um, there's Obama's picture with, wow. And it's showing us these lakes and a pavilion walk with water features will create a calm, open pathway, the entrance to the research facility. Seriously, because you need water features. Look something out of a very familiar movie, guys. Think about it. So you walk inside and there's like a lot of steps and glass. A light-filled lobby will provide a comfortable place for visitors, staff, and researchers to meet casually. The lobby will offer gathering areas on multiple levels for discussion and collaboration. Yeah, that never happens in labs. Looks like a movie. I want you guys to remember the movie. Is that guy Chinese? I'm just saying. The containment entrance leads to the secure research areas. Learn from yesterday, live for today, and hope for tomorrow. Never stop questioning. That was what Einstein said. And the laboratory staff break room is easily accessible and provides visual connectivity outside of containment. Color schemes will create a calm environment for animals and indicate various scientific programs. Animal holding room design will make concurrent research studies possible. Let's get PETA on this. Diagnostics and research with training suite can be broadcast on-site auditorium for observation and training. The containment area is designed to provide clear and consistent navigation. Open and flexible labs promote collaboration and, as appropriate, provide daylight through secured reinforced windows. NBAF will be the nation's only BSL-4 large livestock research and diagnostic laboratory. Science knows no country because knowledge belongs to humanity and is the torch which illuminates the world. Louis Pasteur. NBAF scientific research Diagnostics and training will lead to vaccines and cures, <laughs> enhancing the standard of national and global preparedness against foreign animal and zoonic diseases. And BAF is the answer to one of the greatest challenges by advancing science, recruiting top talent, and attracting support from many fields. And BAF will protect the nation's animal agriculture and public health and protect the well-being of the American public. So, I guess we need to get PETA on this, right? Kansas State University President Richard Meyer joins the U.S. House Ag Committee Chairman uh, Con Conaway to highlight the impact of food security has on national security. We should watch this. Unmute it. George Bush said that a nation that feeds itself is more secure than a nation that doesn't. You can't have a secure nation if you don't have secure agricultural infrastructure. For all of America's existence, it's enjoyed the most abundant and affordable food and survival supply of any nation in the world. It is also the safest from fields all the way to your table. There are vulnerabilities that uh, occur. Some are, that are just naturally happening, naturally occurring, that, that we work to not let happen. But you also worry from time to time that, that our adversaries around this world would try to introduce things into the food supply that uh, would harm us. But outbreaks don't understand state lines and, and in many cases don't understand national boundaries. So our response needs to be a lot more robust and there have to be a, a lot more agencies, federal and state and local, all working together I think the farm bill is an excellent opportunity to do so. You know, because food is so plentiful in this country, and because we feed the world too, by the way, it goes hand in hand. Uh, I think we take it. I think we take agriculture for 
for granted. And so we don't pay as much attention to threats to our agriculture as perhaps we should. America's never had a circumstances where there just wasn't food available. And, uh, and that security of being able to have that, that, uh, that, you know, that backdrop is uh, uh, taken for granted because we've always known it. Food security is vital to our country, uh, vital to our, our, uh, to our way of life. And it starts with the farmer and rancher on the, uh, in the field who are trying to make a living uh, and, and provide that to us. This is about one health too. So it's about, it's not just about agricultural infrastructure. It's about the health of our human population. In the All right. So let's see when they made this video. Let me just see. That was April 26, 2018. See, that's when they hid the stuff, when Congress hit the stuff. So what you need to understand is they're looking at diseases that transfer from non-humans and animals, right? Um, if you caught that, hold on. It said it here, which was really weird. It was um weird verbiage. Hold on, let me see. Hold on, let me find it. Because I want you, they tell you everything. It's not like they don't tell you, so it's your fault for not paying attention, right? We told you. It was there. You could have said something. Okay, global preparedness against foreign animal and zoonotic diseases. Foreign animal and zoonotic diseases. Foreign animal, I sound like a broken record, and zoonotic diseases. So animal diseases, animal transferable, diseases from animals that come to humans, and foreign animal. I just wanted to make sure you got that. So that's funny because the farm bill was done in 2018, but they had Barack Hussein Obama's face here with the other two. And this is on their site. We can stop this. If we've learned anything from 2020 is that you don't go experimenting um, in those things. Oh, look at this. News. Kansas State study first to show SARS-2 COVID-2, which causes COVID-19 not transmitted by mosquitoes. I wonder how they did that. <clears throat> I'm just saying. Two, Kansas State studies focus on SARS-CoV-2 transmission in domestic cats and pigs. Hmm. Let's just bring all that COVID stuff that transfers to piggies and cats, but not monkeys, into our food. Sounds like a stellar idea. I wonder who thought that up. Now, speaking of that, maybe we can get someone at DHS to leak us some really good documents, like the document that was leaked to Project Veritas about the Yemeni guy, which if you go back to my shows, I was telling you about all the jihadis coming from the southern border. But now it's happening again. Take a listen. If I can get it to play. Okay. Is that it? Nope. There we go. Okay, that was the problem. The lowering of the volume. Here we go. Take a listen to this. This Project Veritas has just received this confidential report from an insider at the Department of Homeland Security. This report is a, quote, significant event report. It shows a Yemen national named Al-Bakari, a known associate of four Yemens on the terrorist watch list, was traveling through Panama uh, with them before being encountered at the Mexicali Airport in Mexico on Monday, April 12th. Now, Al-Bakari was then 
released into the general public by the government of Mexico, and U.S. Customs and Border Patrol anticipates that Albuquerque will be encountered at the U.S. southern border within the next several days. That means that this guy is going to be encountered at the U.S.-Mexico border, and this document, we've redacted some bits of it here, but it actually shows his face. It's a unclassified document, but what titled law enforcement sensitive. We've seen that uh, uh, that nomenclature on a lot of these documents obtained from our insiders. Now, this is extremely concerning considering the state and crisis at our southern border. Just last week, two other Yemeni nationals on the FBI's terrorism watch list were arrested after illegally crossing the border from Mexico into California. Even Albuquerque's brother, who is also on the terrorism watch list, supposedly works at Burger King in Mexicali, Mexico, just south of California on the border. Now, they say it's not a crisis, but when people associated with those on the terrorism watch list are about to cross the border, we'd say that's a crisis. I just got a message from one of our insiders at the Customs and Border Patrol. Uh, this person says, quote, we're processing the people flooding our border while watching your CNN videos and laughing. So we appreciate our insiders and whistleblowers inside uh, the U.S. and Customs and Border Protection, Department of Homeland Security. Keep it coming, guys. We'll keep the videos coming. Now, we talked about that in 2018, 2019, especially in 2019 in the summer. So we're seeing that there's a lot going on, you know, a lot going on. There's a, uh, a lot of uh, things that they're obfuscating. They're covering up a lot of uh, information, but that information has been out there for a couple of years because they all get their passports from South America, where, you know, believe it or not, did you know that sometimes the State Department actually um, has contracts with nations like, I don't know, Venezuela, Uruguay, you know, to make passports for their own citizens that are dual citizens. Um, and therefore, you know, if you pay someone a little bit extra, they can make you a fake one that's like so legit. Um, yeah, they do. Or they can buy a passport in places like Lima or Venezuela or Honduras or Ecuador or, 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 or they buy passports saying they're another, you know, ethnicity, you know, it's, I mean, having multiple passports, that's a thing a lot of people do. I mean, we could talk about all these people from Africa flying over to St. Kitts, getting these golden passports, opening up bank accounts so they can funnel campaigns. I've been talking about this. Yeah, that was in my box too. Okay. So that should be coming out when I know that law enforcement has obtained all copies of all that information. But I've talked about this before. St. Kitts, damn, tons of bank accounts, tons of campaign finance, tons of money being funneled. And all they have to do is come from Africa, open up that account, and then that's it. With the fake passport, the whole nine yards, man, tons. So before we end today's show, I thought we should show another clip of Project Veritas TechCrunch reporter Devin Kotelway forced to update an article. I guess, I wonder why all these tech reporters are suddenly getting hyper-politicized. I mean, it's not the first one. We saw that, you know, New York Times tech reporter came after me to do what? Change it from right wing to call me far right, please. All of shame. We're going to get right to it. A lot happening in the world. Uh, we have been lied about by TechCrunch, 
uh, TechCrunch was forced to print a correction update. TechCrunch wrote, quote, Twitter bans James O'Keefe of Project Veritas over fake account policy. And in this TechCrunch article, they wrote, quote, sharp-eyed users noticed that O'Keefe's last tweak unironically accused reporter Jesse Hicks of impersonation. Jesse Hicks was that freelance reporter for Wired. Quote, including an image showing an unredacted phone number supposedly belonging to Hicks. TechCrunch was forced to print a correction. This is critical. There have been people impersonating us on Twitter. People, apparently our lawyers say racketeering has been occurring, impersonating our current staff to extract information. I've reported this. The person doing the impersonation remains on Twitter and we've been kicked off Twitter. This is huge. They've printed a correction. Cue the Retracto theme song. Wait, are you saying that they kicked him off because he called out someone that created a phony Project Veritas slash James O'Keefe account to cause him harm? <laughs> kind of sounds like what we were doing on Twitch, too. So weird. He's coming at you. This is the reporting, if you want to call it that, by Devin Caldaway of TechCrunch. The before says, users noticed that O'Keefe's last week unironically accused Jesse Hicks of impersonation, including an image showing an unredacted phone number. He was forced to update the article saying, quote, update, the image was in fact redacted. I thought it was done by the person who took the screenshot, but the first digits were removed in the original tweet. This is important. Let me take you through what has been happening. Jesse Hicks is a blue check mark reporter, writer, and editor seen in New Republic, Politico, and now, now apparently doing a wired freelance piece. Jesse Hicks, uh, sometime months ago, was going on Telegram and impersonating actual employees who work for me, including this individual, our director of communications named Megan. Jesse Hicks was impersonating a real person something I've never done. How do we figure this out? Well, we, we were receiving messages from the, this person who called themselves Megan Works Comms. So my own employees thought they were speaking with one of my colleagues. And then Jesse Hicks posing as Megan Works Comms at Project Veritas was able to extract information, potentially donor information about what we do. By the way, that's an ethical line we've never crossed. That's unlawful, potentially racketeering what Jesse Hicks has done. So knowing this, yesterday, I tweeted out an image because we triangulated the phone number of this so-called Telegram Megan account, and it was the same phone number belonging to reporter Jesse Hicks. So I took the side-by-side -side showing that this is in fact Jesse Hicks' phone number plus the Telegram, which he impersonated the real person that works for me, put them side-by-side, -side, and I did indeed redact most of the phone number with the exception of the last four digits. This is standard practice in journalism to redact all the phone number except for the last four digits. So what's interesting about this is I tweeted out right before I was suspended, Jesse, we know you impersonated our current employee in our comms department to extract information because the phone numbers matched your actual phone number. This is unlawful and arguably racketeering. Lawyer up. You denied impersonating us. Now we have proof in court, and by the way, we will, we will 
take you to court because it's unlawful what you did. But something that you've never endured, something we've been forced to endure, dozens of videotaped depositions under oath, and I came out clean on the other side. We run from nothing. We hide from nothing. We don't plead the fifth. We stand for our journalism, and you run away like little cowards. Like little cowards. You can't defend who you yes. are or what you do. You yes. Are yes. And the only recourse we have is the courts. We've never lost a lawsuit at Project Veritas. We always say that. Recently, we sued the New York Times for defamation, and we won a historic motion. Since 1964, only a handful of people have gotten past motion to dismiss. We're one of them. You can't fathom what it's like to be deposed, to have your reporter's notebooks opened up. Under oath, it's unimaginable to you because no one has the will, the resources, the tenacity to sue you, but we do, and we'll do it on behalf of others. I can testify under oath that you impersonated one of my employees. Are you going to lie under oath about it? Are you gonna to go to jail for your narrative? Good luck with that, you're going to lose. Now, one of the great ironies or perhaps absurdities, and nothing is ironic or absurd anymore because we've entered this dystopian reality, is that there are people on Twitter, Jack Dorsey, who have accounts still up impersonating me. This is one called James O'Keefe's Ego, at James O'Keefe, uh, I, 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 but because the, the uppercase I and the lowercase L look identical on Twitter, it actually looks exactly like mine, at James O'Keefe Third. There are people on Twitter impersonating me and their accounts still remain, even though the reason we've supposedly been kicked off Twitter is because we're uh, creating fake accounts. These are actual fake accounts impersonating real people. If there weren't for double standards, there'd be no standards at all. And that's what, it's not even about standards. It's about power. It's about raw power. It's about the fact that we're too effective. It's too true. And as the character Lowell Bergman said in The Insider, played by Al Pacino. The more truth he tells, the, the worse, worse it, it gets. gets. The videos on CNN trended globally. They were number two worldwide. They were viewed millions of times, 10 million times. They were, James O'Keefe trended on Twitter and I'm banned on Twitter. Project Veritas was banned on Twitter and it was trending on Twitter. And that's what they don't like because under any standard, this person, James O'Keefe's ego with my can't avatar and my actual Roman numeral three, although Truth one of them is a, a lowercase l instead of an uppercase i. This person remains on Twitter. Jesse Hicks remains on Twitter, even though he apparently committed racketeering into a charitable organization. Nothing matters anymore. There are no standards to these people. And you might feel cynical, hopeless, but I can give you some hope in the fact that we are suing and we are winning. We will conduct videotaped depositions into New York Times employees and Twitter employees and CNN employees. We will get past the motion to dismiss in these cases because in the United States, you cannot recklessly disregard the truth. The standard is actual malice. You intentionally lied about us. We can prove it. Devin Caldway, all of this could have been avoided if you just stuck to the facts. You gleefully jumped at the opportunity to say that I unredacted someone's phone number to contribute to the narrative that somehow I was putting out information that would lead to my suspension, but I redacted the phone number. We did the responsible ethical thing 
where you did the unethical, irresponsible thing and jumped to wild conclusion to support your ideological narrative tech crunch while selectively editing or deceptively editing out of your article our wins against the New York Times and the substance of the CNN reporting. So now you get a frame, you get your correction or update, put on the wall of shame, and you get a retracto, the correction alpaca. We're gonna have to start hanging these things from the ceiling. All that I ask is that you people tell the truth. Thank you. Journalism is about getting to the bottom of things. It's about telling the truth. truth. It's not about you opining on things. It's not about you offering your opinion or, or, or doing what this guy at CNN did, which was just the complete opposite of journalism. I get that you are masters of projection. I get that you all need to go see therapists for your narcissism, but stop projecting onto me what you are and what you do. It's time for you to pay. We are going to sue you. We have never lost a lawsuit. Find another chairman of another media organization, this size or larger, who's never lost a lawsuit. Do you know why we've never lost a lawsuit? Because I don't settle. I don't compromise on what I believe in. And I get that's foreign to you. But the only thing you understand is raw power. So raw power is what you're going to get. We are going to take you to a jury verdict. Do you understand? We are going to take you to a jury verdict. And we are going to win. That's what's up. Stay tuned. That's what's up. And that is exactly what they can't do. They cannot cancel the truth. They can come after you all they want. They can say whatever they want. See, if I had the you know, the pockets that they have, I'd be suing left and right. But I'm nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They have undercover journalists. They have a lot of stuff that they're doing. He's doing great work in the domain that he's doing. He's doing great work in his domain. Every investigative journalist has their domain. We've infiltrated the left. We've infiltrated the UN. We've infiltrated the Council of Foreign Relations, Atlantic Council. Yeah, I got people everywhere. The thing is, how do you bring it up? How do you put it out? You give it to people. You give them the story. See, that's what's important. So you can't cancel the truth. It can't be canceled. Truth is truth. You may not like it. You do not like it. And I know a lot of people are terrified that, you know, she's going to tell the truth. Yeah, I totally do. I have no problem with it. All my life, I was trained how to lie and deceive and not be myself. Minute I was able to open my mouth post-2014, I will not stop doing it. Because it is not fair. They're, they don't play fair. You use all the tools that are there to supposedly help to whistleblow correctly, to leak to the right people, right? Leak. <laughs> because you can't give classified information to people that don't have the clearance. So you give information, conspiracy theory, that they're fixing your elections. How many times have I been putting out? For over a decade, I've been fighting that. For over a decade, and now you see it. Now that they've done it so brazenly, when they started this in 1999, they planned the hanging chads. They planned it. Bush bullied his way. Man, the truth, 
<laughs> they say is stranger than fiction, but fiction exists to make the truth more of an easier pill to swallow. It is very hard to see what's actually happening. It's hard to acknowledge that you have chains around your ankles and your hands when you think you're free. But but I own a gun. Doesn't mean shit. They can come take it now if they want to. What are you going to do? Probably die in the line of fire. That's the way it is. People need to understand when I say these journalists have done a great disservice, I mean it. They supposedly have Hunter's laptop. Where the fuck are the reports on the using Secret Service to smuggle people into other countries? Where the fuck are the reports talking about their meetings with the AFL-CIO? There's a special place for George Soros. I'll tell you that. I'm just saying. So, on that note, guys, I love the way the fact that James keeps setting fire to rain. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Maybe I'll be talking funny. I'm, I don't have time. Okay, so just wanted to say, in regards to my Hunter Joe Obama article, I will be, um, I'm trying to finish it. I just can't. I'm, I, I was way too nervous for today. I mean, you know, every, I mean, my kid just, she has braces. I shouldn't be scared, right? But I am. <laughs> So um, I'll probably post a, a selfie with a brace face um, later on this evening after I like wipe away the mascara, you know, because I'm kind of a baby when it comes to stuff like that. So um, much love. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Same time, same place. And I will try to pump that out. I'm really hoping that I could get it out tomorrow. God bless. Let coming in the air tonight Oh Lord And I've been waiting for this moment For all my life Oh Lord Can you feel it coming in the air tonight Oh Lord Oh Lord Well, if you told me you were drowning, I would lend a hand. I've seen your face before, my friend, but I don't know if you know who I am. But I was there and I saw what you did. I saw you with my own two eyes. You can wipe up the green I know where you've been It's all been a pack of lies And I can feel it coming in the air tonight Oh Lord I've been waiting for this moment For all my life Oh Lord Can't you feel it? Coming in the air tonight